You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, band of brilliant bantering banthas. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 32. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your hearty party of arty and smarty farties. <laughs> oh. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. I'm Chris. I heartily approve of the Star Wars reference. Yeah. It's not getting yeah. there with the bandits. Just band for us. you. Yes. <laughs> and we got some bizarre headlines to share, huh? I read a story recently and I thought to myself, my goodness, this combines so many things <laughs> that we here at Good Job Brain love. And so I absolutely wanted to share all of this with you uh, in a segment that we are titling... Honey, I'm telling you, you're making me blue. That's why I know it's true. Yes, honey, you're making me blue. Beekeepers in the Alsace region of France discovered something very, very strange recently. Twelve different apiaries uh, in this one region. They were collecting up their honey, and something turned out to be very wrong. The honey was coming out colored funny colors, like blue and green. What? And this was very bad. And they can't sell it. Like, nobody would actually eat this weird blue-colored... I would! Yeah. (laughs) They said, no, we can't do anything with this. So they had to figure out what was going on. The bees were all producing blue and green honey. So they launched an investigation, and they find out that the bees had picked up an interesting new hobby. Instead of going around, you know, to flowers and whatever, they were heading down to the the neighborhood biofuel (laughs) production plant and loitering. And uh, the way that they make biofuel is they break down food matter. And as it turns out, they they get waste from food production facilities delivered to them. And this particular plant was processing waste From. from... M&M Mars. No! (laughs) The plant was taking deliveries, bins of unsellable M&Ms, and bringing them into the plant, but they were uncovered. And so a lot of times the bees developed a habit of chowing down on the shells of M&Ms. They were just sweet and sugary. Of course, it's it's, it's everything bees love. And so they were jumping on these on these (laughs) M&M shells and and actually eating uh, M&M shells instead of eating you know instead of doing their job. And then actually that turned the honey blue and green. (laughs) And I I saw this as well with a photo of the and you're absolutely oh the stuff yeah it is. Green and blue, yeah. And like, like they've got some. Like they, they had a honey that was like a clear. See, you think you want blue honey, but like they had a honey that was sort of a clear <laughs> green color. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the stuff they were showing was actually this really opaque, muddy blue oh, purple colored yeah. honey. Yeah, when I saw that, there was another article that I guess was related. This happened in all seriousness. This happened, I guess, last year as well uh, in New York. There were some some bees. Beekeepers noticed they were producing bright red honey that in a similar way they had traced it back to uh, a maraschino cherry ah! production uh, facility wow! and they were picking up the coloring and it was getting its way into the honey there yeah. so that sounds tasty i think that the the tragedy in all this though is the increase in diabetes oh my god uh, uh, the obesity uh, <laughs> i'm sorry i brought it up <laughs> All right, and it's time for our general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. Everybody get your barnyard buzzers ready. I got a random trivia pursuit card here. And let's start with Blue Edge Geography. What St. Louis rapper leads a crew called the St. Lunatics? Mm, St. Louis rapper. 
Dana, come on. <laughs> Trick question. Guys, is, there, there no is it getting rappers. hot in here? Oh, oh, is it Nelly? It is Nelly. Is he from St. Louis? He's from St. Louis. I don't think I knew oh, that. I thought he was could, from more southern, a more southern state. You yeah. could give me every hint in the world, and I would not have gotten that <laughs> question. Like, uh... Nelly himself could have given Chris the hint. Anyway. Right. He could have. Okay, here. How about this hint, Chris? And Nelly walks in the front door. All right. Pop culture, Pink Wedge. What name is Lawrence Turoad better known by? <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia? No. What? Pop culture. Pop culture? Well, sure. Lawrence Turoad is Mr. T. Correct. Oh. Mr. T. That is a very classy name. All right, Yellow Wedge. Who was crowned Emperor of the Romans, effectively the first Holy Roman Emperor in the year 800? Oh, is it Constantine? No. Hmm. Effectively, the this, first Holy Roman Emperor. Is this Alexander the Great? No. Also starts with a C, though. Yeah, it does. Is it, it one of the Caesars? I mean, no. Charlemagne. Yes! Oh, oh yeah. good! That's what I was oh, yeah. Retrieval! Yes. Wow. Nice save. That's what I thought. Constant. I knew C, we, but... We get, we get there eventually. Yeah. yeah. Purple Wedge. What ism of the 1950s inspired The Crucible by Arthur Miller? Oh. <laughs> Chris? Um, oh, McCarthyism. Correct. Yeah. Yes. McCarthyism. Uh, Green Watch for Science. What Roman god were volcanoes named for? Oh. Colin? Uh, Vulcan? Correct. Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Orange Wedge, last question. Which is not a likely ingredient in a michelada? <laughs> is it beer, tequila, lime, chili, salt, soy sauce, or tomato juice? <laughs> Uh, tequila. Correct. Mm. Yeah, good old michelada. It's, it's like a, a, it's a, a beer-based beer. cocktail. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, Quite tasty on a hot day. Is it? So is it made of mm. all those things? I usually make, when I make them, I usually do uh, beer, lime juice, salt. Um, mine's pretty basic, but another common one is with tomato juice. Absolutely. And soy sauce? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ew. Yeah. All right. And we're moving into our topic of the week, which is fads. All right, and I want to start off by asking you guys, you know, growing up, there have been a lot of crazy fads. Were there any fads you were totally into? I think the the closest thing that I could say as a, as a fad that I got into was California Raisins. Um, in the in the uh, oh late eighties early nineties right when the California Raisin Advisory Board or right, HowRab right. came up with a in retrospect absolutely genius marketing yeah, campaign they killed it uh, for raisins oh yeah with the claymation the little dancing raisins. oh yeah it was yeah, claymation yeah. dancing raisins singing and dancing heard it through the grapevine you know making the raisins into a uh, doo-wop group basically and it just took off yeah the and, way and, you're and, describing and, this is sounds insane yeah. it sounds ridiculous right it's captured life like, of its own revival yeah. of 50s 60s era music and very clever i mean claymation in and of itself getting more and more interesting it was getting was technically adept in that era it just happened to take off and so i got into it because i was collecting the the figurines <laughs> and there was actually a raisin it, board a california yeah, raisin yeah california board, yeah. raisin advisory board right, right. increase so, consumption oh, of yeah. raisins and they still i mean it's still around 
around, I think. Kids were dressing as California raisins for Halloween. Yeah. You can get all kinds of California raisin plushes and toys. But I mean, me for Isn't me, it was the PVC. By, thing, by there kids, was there, was a himself. there was a California raisins Christmas special yeah. that was on, you know. And so it was... Like, are they even cute? Like They are cute. They're they are. Cute. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I still have all the figures. Like, I literally have all but, like, yeah. a handful of the California raisin figures because I, like, spent, you know, all that time, like, that, that period of my childhood, those few years, like, building a collection of them. As we know, I collected all kinds of things as a kid. I collected Statue <laughs> yeah. of Liberty stuff. <laughs> California raisin coins, rocks. Yeah. Well, it's really cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if you picked up on that. <laughs> I was, I was Super that cool. awesome. Yeah. We need more dried fruit character bands. That'd be great. <laughs> I, it's sad that, it's sad that we've only had the one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Crazen. The Pennsylvania like they... prunes never really <laughs> caught on. Uh-huh. Quite, yeah, yeah. quite, this wasn't as much as big a hit. So I was reading BuzzFeed, which is a great source of bad reminiscence. And I saw one about the Babysitter's Club, and oh. I was all about the Babysitter's Club when I was younger. I don't, me too, and I don't even remember what really happened in those books. It was just a bunch of girls. There was wasn't like, the... there wasn't crime fighting, right? It was more just like high school drama? Oh, there were mysteries occasionally okay, that okay. they had to solve, and it's like, who's been um, playing pranks on the babysitters? Well, I know, <laughs> like random, random. Stuff. I do remember all, a lot of my friends who were girls really hugely into those books. Yeah. yeah. There was a time when I was really, really into E.T., like, uh, when <laughs> E.T. came out. Are you guys in, like, wrinkly things. Like, you like the raisins <laughs> and you like E.T. It e. was, su- I mean, it was such, a, was such a huge hit when that movie came out. And I was, I was just a sucker for E.T. merchandise. And, like, they had E.T. trading cards. He's and... not even cute. He scared me. Yeah. He really scared me. <laughs> he is, I mean, but isn't that kind of the triumph? It's like a it's nightmare like, They can make even yeah. this ugly little alien You uh, could see his somehow. organs. You could see his heart. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... It, any piece of crap at the supermarket, if it had E.T.'s picture on it, oh. I would pester my mom to buy it. Oh. Uh, you know, I was the kid that the marketers like, all right, yeah, just make it look like E.T. Kids will buy it. Like, <laughs> that was me. The, the first thing that jumped to my mind for this episode was, of course, maybe one of the the quintessential crazy, ridiculous, why did this ever become popular in the first place fad of the 90s, which was Pogs. Oh, yeah. Pogs all started with everyone's favorite obsolete job, the milkman. When they would deliver milk to your house back in the day, they, you know, how it came in like a glass bottle, and what they would do is just put a, a round cardboard cap on top of it just to cover up the, the bottle of milk, basically, because the milkman is just bringing it to your house. And so this milk, of course, back in the day, uh, we're talking about like the 20s, 30s, it, was, it wasn't homogenized milk. So when you take that cardboard cap off, you peel it off, and all the cream as they say, has risen to the top. And when you peel it off, it's got cream stuck to it. So mom would just give it to the kids. Right. Like, here, lick this, you know? Ew. No, it's delicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's like the most delicious thing. Oh, no, my parents would tell stories of, like, fighting with the siblings over who got to lick the cream off the cap. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess, I guess yep. you do that with yogurt now, right? Like, yeah. when you peel off the, the yogurt yeah. thing, you lick Yeah, it's yogurt. like licking the yogurt cap, exactly. Um, and so mom would give those to the kids. And so, of course, the, the basic rule of good job brain when we're talking about the olden days is uh you saved everything and there were you know so of course the kids saved these cardboard caps because you don't really have much else to play with and so pogs was a game once they collected enough of these cardboard caps what you could do is you'd stack the caps up on the floor and then you'd take another cap and you'd throw it down hard at the stack and what you'd then hopefully do by hitting the stack is you'd flip the the caps, the milk covers, out of the stack. There's many, many variants uh, for how these rules might go. Oh, right. But, Sounds you know, dumb. because it's just made up. 
hey, nothing else to do. Yes. So it's it's pretty fun because you you hit it and then the the caps flip up and then if the caps flip up if they land face up on the ground you get to keep them. Right. And if they land face down you uh, they go back into the stack basically. You can play either everybody has their own caps and you play and whoever collects the most at the end is the winner or you can play whatever caps you have in your hand at the end Those of the game. Those are yours now. You to, they're yeah. yours now. Yeah, play for keeps. Play for keeps, yeah. exactly. So that's what kids would, would do with, with Pogs. And so basically, this got very popular in Hawaii. But what's hilarious is, as I'm doing the research for this and finding out about the game, as it turns out, there is a pretty strong theory that this came from the place where everything seems to come from, Japan. There is actually a game that dates back to the 17th century called Menko. They would print pictures mm. of characters or, like, samurai or whatever on cardboard on really on tough cardboard and, and it's not surprising yeah. that something culturally japanese would make its way to hawaii exactly where there were a yeah. lot of japanese immigrants especially in those times so no. now kids would play this game back in the day and then of course it fell out of favor because you're just sort of playing with um cardboard in 1991 it's very interesting they were able to trace this back to a single person in 1991 there was a teacher her name was blossom galbiso she was an elementary school teacher in hawaii and then she used this game i think a modified version of this game that she used to play when she was a child and she modified it to teach math to her students somehow i don't know like you know putting numbers on the pogs or you know putting numbers on the discs themselves this is considered to be the point at which the fads started the kids really liked the game they started playing the game and then other kids in other schools in hawaii started playing the game and the teachers wanted to spread it around because it was a cool way to learn math game itself started becoming more popular and what then happens is a lot of right back first things first first things first so as it starts to get popular, um, so first of all, printing up little cardboard discs that are about the size of a half dollar is pretty actually easy. So a lot of businesses and schools in Hawaii start making them Their own. and Just passing for them purpose. out as promotional items or whatever, and they start putting their logos on them. And one of the companies that did this was a company that produced a fruit drink that was made of passion fruit, orange, and guava. Yep. And the drink itself is called Pog. Oh. So here's the thing. You can still buy this drink. Very popular drink. Apparently it's delicious. Yeah, you can get it yeah, in Hawaii yeah. and some stores, like especially on the West Coast. So it goes nuts in Hawaii. It quickly spreads. I mean, it spreads so fast to the continental United States. And I mean, people just jump on it. They market it. And at some point along the line, the concept of the slammer gets introduced, right. which is a big, thick metal pog that you <laughs> oh. throw onto the stack. It's the hero class. It, it's it, the it, elite. It, so basically, then the game, by the time it reached suburban in Connecticut, which is where my brother got really into it, the rule was you had a slammer and you threw the slammer at the stack of pogs. Uh, right. So, of course, schools banned this because kids are throwing <laughs> metal on it. And all people, well, it's the gambling aspect. They banned it because, like, they don't want kids taking other kids' stuff yeah. and kids crying and them having to sort out who owns what. And- One of my earliest jobs was as a uh, summer camp counselor, a day camp counselor, and we did have to ban that at our camp. I mean, I'm a few years older, so probably I would have been, you know, a little bit older to actually play with the pogs but we did it was whatever that first summer that this burst through the kids would bring them and it was they played as you said for keeps with the slammers meaning that some kid would always get his or her feelings hurt of losing pogs and more importantly the parents were like I'm buying you these pogs and you're losing them at day camp. It's so we had to issue an edict. No more pogs at camp. Kids were not allowed to yeah, play pogs. Yeah, you're tough love. Kid it, is, is not good at pogs. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you just yeah. need to practice, Jamie. Yeah. Well, I was thinking it's just you just don't want to have to be dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. As quickly as it shot into being like a white hot star, it, it immediately fizzled out. 
Uh, and I'm sure a bunch of people lost their shirts on this because buying pogs and selling them. Pog they, speculation. They were, oh, they were that probably whole market. Yeah, I mean, they were probably there were probably a lot of people left with a lot of inventory of pogs <laughs> yeah. that they had bought that yeah. overnight became from like white hot collectible that they could sell for like twenty dollars for a piece of cardboard. <laughs> you know, if it was quote unquote rare to worthless, worthless garbage. Yeah. Let's take a trip back to the olden days, and I want to ask you guys a question. Mm-hmm. Who are Meg, Joe, Amy, and Beth? The Little Women. Yes! Oh. Mm-hmm. The characters from Little Women, very classic American book by Louisa May Alcott. And the book chronicled basically the lives of the, the four March sisters, mm-hmm. uh, Meg, Joe, Amy, and Beth, during the Civil War era. And it really kind of described the American home life, mm. you know, what the women did when, when the men are off to war. And there is a really memorable part of the book where Amy, who is 12 years old at the time, got severely punished and, and completely humiliated at school. And what was the cause of this? It was the fad of limes, pickled limes. Amy, huh. yeah, Amy was caught storing limes in her school desk. Huh. At that time, I guess teachers treated limes like like a contraband, and this was a real <laughs> thing. Yeah, okay. Growing up reading the book, I got really confused because, you know, why would limes be yeah. a fad? Also, yeah. wouldn't they be kind of expensive? Although pickled limes sound intriguing. It, it yeah. seems so random. Okay. And, and for the longest time, I actually, you know, like you guys, I thought it was maybe a name for something else. Yeah. You know, maybe it was like a candy that was green <laughs> or something. For drugs. <laughs> it's a street name for, for drugs. And I did some research, and yes, it's really referencing the actual fruit, limes, and, and pickled limes. During that era, especially in the New England part of the country, candy stores used to sell pickled limes in like glass jars of very beautiful or in barrels. Mm-hmm. And they're really popular because they were really cheap. At that time, the import tariff was really low because they weren't classified as fresh fruit. But they weren't pickles either and also i mean transporting fresh fruit to new england like transporting limes to new england must have been impossible unless you pickled them and put them in barrels Mm -hmm. that hold up over a long because they're coming from refrigerated somewhere tropical i would imagine yeah Yeah. exactly that's that's why it's so cheap and so kids actually could buy a bunch with their pocket money Mm -hmm. so what did kids do with them they ate them so here i'm going to read a short passage from the book all right uh, from little women and here's Amy describing the lime craze, the lime mania. <laughs> Why, you see, the girls are always buying them. And unless you want to be thought mean, you must do it too. It's nothing but limes now, for everyone is sucking them in their desk in <laughs> school time and trading them off for pencils, bead rings, paper dolls, or something else at recess. <laughs> if one girl like another, she gives her a lime. If she's mad with her, she eats one before her face. <laughs> Girls oh, are so snap. mean. Oh, snap. <laughs> so mean. This is Mean Girls Civil War edition. Yeah. <laughs> she ate the lime right she in her face. She ate that lime right oh, in front of me. Damn. <laughs> she got limed. <laughs> they might say. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a question What did they taste like? Yeah. Are they, they must, salty lime? Like must, the pickle? I'm guessing it must counteract the sweetness somehow. Because, I mean, I have to say, as you're describing this, I, I, I realize now I have heard of pickled lemons. And I'm wondering, it must be somehow similar. So, I don't know. I, I've never had them. But that would be my guess. Maybe they're less tart? If kids are going 
gaga yeah. over them, I would assume they're like absolutely freaking delicious and yeah. sweet and tangy and, and whatnot. Well, but... maybe in comparison to everything else they had, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in had like flavor. the dead of winter in New England. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh god, at least it tastes like something. something. Yeah. This pickled sponge is terrible. <laughs> Dana is absolutely right. Apparently, when they say pickled, they mean preserved in salt. Ah. So a lot of the food historians found old recipes and most of them called for salt. Mm-hmm. And these pickled limes aren't sweet. They're extremely sour and extremely salty, uh, which sounds terrible. Huh. Uh, there Although, was candy that was kind of like yeah. that, that hurt your tongue and you it's do it because like Sour it's... Patch Kids a little oh, bit. Okay. Or Warheads. To bring maybe? up another fad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I can totally see that because, I mean, yeah. that was a fad for a while and it was all about like, oh, can Super you take it? Super sour Can you take yeah. it? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of... Can you hold it in your mouth, you know, Again, and, speaking and not, of summer yeah, camp, right. that was another thing we had to ban was the <laughs> really? atomic Warheads. Yeah, huh. because the kids were daring each other. I can have three of them in my mouth. And kids were, it was like, no one wanted to say no and the kids were getting like tongue blisters and it was just oh, the amount of man. things if you want to see what you have to ban just get a bunch of seven to eight year olds yeah. together oh, yeah. no <laughs> if you want day. to see what the latest fad is <laughs> yeah, just ask too. camp counselors every year what did you have to ban this year yeah. wow I want to pickle some limes now I know I, I, I want to pickle some limes and find yeah. out alright lime pickling party kind of on a related note I um I decided to look at fad diets oh that's good there are yeah. hundreds of fad oh, diets there's so many but I so I am only looking at the really weird ones <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's my filter for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So speaking of the limes and the sour things, do you know what's in the Master Cleanse diet? Oh. It is, hold on, lemon <laughs> juice, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper. Uh, yes. Isn't, yeah, 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 yeah. And water. And, and water, water. And water. And water. Well, they all have water down. in them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then, and it's like all of these things work because you're not taking in any calories whatsoever, right? So, yeah, of course you lose weight. You're not eating. Yeah. yeah but it's the it's the makeup of the actual diet itself, which is junk science, but... That's the way most of these diets work is that you're not taking in calories right. at all. So the Master Cleanse diet is also called the Lemonade Diet or the Maple Syrup Diet. Mm-hmm. And it started like 50 years ago. More than 50 years ago was oh. when they first... I remember when my mom it. used to be on it, yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Huh. But then Beyonce said she lost 20 pounds for Dreamgirls mm-hmm. using the, the master cleanse, and, and then it became right a fad. <laughs> and <laughs> You're getting just enough sugar from the maple syrup, yeah, to keep your neurons yeah. fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So another um, fad diet that kind of caught on because a celebrity like was rumored to have done it is the baby food diet, where you eat about 14 portions of baby food during the day. <laughs> And then you have maybe a healthy dinner, but basically you're getting all of your nutrients from baby food. Yeah. <laughs> Who was that? Which celebrity was that? That was Jennifer Aniston. And this is even and this is even worse because the baby food has been, you know, processed down so much, you know, that your body is not even doing the the minimal calorie, you know, burning work of digesting <laughs> your food. So a diet where you also need to puree the food but in your mouth is the chewing diet. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to chew the food until it becomes purified, like it becomes so a slush. Yeah, and then spit it out. Oh, you don't eat it? <laughs> like, like while you're chewing, you'll be like wait, absorbing. Wait, can it be a diet if you're not actually consuming oh, the food? It was invented in the early 1900s. Invented. <laughs> it was propagated or proposed. <laughs> and uh, Kellogg, or the cereal impresario, uh, actually yes. was into it a bit. Another old-timey diet was the tapeworm diet. Is where, that where you just got a tapeworm? 
somebody gave you a pill and it had a tapeworm in it. Mm-hmm. And On you... purpose? Yeah. Not everybody yeah. knew that that was what was going to happen. Oh, that is so shady. <laughs> that is so shady. <laughs> it's so shady. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you're feeding a thing that's living in your body and becomes really long. How and... does it, how does a tapeworm exit? The way body. that you think it does. Oh, it's either that way or they hold a little piece of food in front of your mouth and the worm comes out to eat it. <laughs> is that, is that true? Is that, that really I true? We should check. Think no, I think I, it is. I thought I had always heard that. Is that an urban I, legend? I thought I had heard fiction. that was an urban legend. They yeah. come with little ladders. <laughs> they yeah, they it's come. in the pill, too. Yeah. <laughs> a little tiny telescoping tiny ladder in the no. grappling hook. Yeah, it's a kit, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. There's another one that's kind of a gross-out diet, but it's like a psychological gross-out diet. It's called the vision diet, and you wear glasses that have a blue lens <laughs> oh, in front of I've them. Oh, i of this one, right. And it makes no. all of your food look disgusting mm-hmm. to you. So you don't want to actually eat when you look at it. It could hurt your eyes, though, so you shouldn't <laughs> wear, it, wear it for too mu- too long. But <laughs> I have yeah. heard that. I have heard yeah. of people, oh, I put you know blue food coloring in the food, so it makes you, uh, it makes you eat less of it. But yeah, apparently <laughs> it does reduce your impulse to eat. But you mm-hmm. might, it might be because you got a migraine from wearing the blue glasses. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. Good right. news, you lost 10 and, yeah. pounds. Bad news, your vision is ruined forever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and it could be the tapeworm pill that comes with the, the glasses. <laughs> what if you did all these diets together? Like, what uh, will happen? The next one's the Twinkie diet. And yeah. that one works if you only eat Twinkies. That's all you can eat because each Twinkie is 150 calories. So if right. you ate 10 of them, that's 1,500 calories. Calorie. Yeah, exactly. But then you have so, to eat Twinkies forever. Yeah, yeah so you don't, it yeah. makes you not want to eat stuff. Like, these are not diets you should do. Don't do these Yeah, diets. these are They're, not endorsed by none physicians. None of them are nutritious. This isn't the crazy fad diet list. Uh, I just think the tapeworm would be so comfortable. <laughs> like, keep them warm this for is the nice. Like, this is great. Can I get a ring ding? <laughs> I imagine the tapeworm wearing little blue glasses. Like, none of this looks good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave. Yeah. I'm just going to go. Well, Should I just go out the back? See myself out. Perfect. So as you guys know, uh, I took a trip to France earlier this summer. While uh, we were there traveling around, we were doing a lot of reading just about French history. It's kind of a fun way to travel. Had a lot of fun reading about just some of the crazy fads among the French aristocracy. and, and Yeah, they're uh, nuts too. They're, especially, I mean, historically. So, you know, just really the heyday of these crazy fads, the mid-1700s. And, you know, we've talked on the show before about dandies. Dandy is just the quintessential, usually guy guy just with a lot of money and no need to work and so just hangs out can there be lady dandies not guys. really like when you yeah. say dandy you really mean a dude a, a, a young, yeah, a a young man yeah typically yeah. a younger man of you know exhibits his wealth and his free time mm-hmm. and so a lot of these fads kind of came about as ways of dandies trying to outdo each other we're familiar with a lot of them like the wigs you see yeah. the wigs in a lot of period pieces mm-hmm. and and that really is a real thing i mean a lot of both men and women would have the wigs and really elaborate and the more elaborate, the higher status you were. But one of the funniest things that I came across was this fad that apparently was really brief and really popular, which all the best fads are, of course. Mm -hmm. So there was a fad in the 1760s of these dandies carrying around with them pantans, which is a little marionette. 
And, and oh my God, that so is a nightmare town. You would carry around just a little marionette that you would kind of, you know, casually pull out and just sort of play with <laughs> while you're at the cafe or sitting in the park on a bench, and you would just have it with yeah. you. But this was just something that the dandies would do. And if you had your little yeah. marionette, your pants hand with you, you just sort of fiddle with it right. absentmindedly yeah. and then put it away and take it with you. And I just so you imagine... realize this is what the iPad is going to be thought of in like a century from <laughs> no. now. Like that, people, that people will be making fun of us for yeah. Exactly. I think that's why it was a short fad though. It was because it's <laughs> embarrassing. It's like, what are you doing with the doll? Ladies, you... don't you hate when you're on a date and the guy won't stop playing with his marionette? Yeah. It's just every <laughs> 30 seconds. Right? Yeah. Seriously. He's like, I'm working on a play with my friend. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, so it's kind of creepy. Yeah, it is really hipster. creepy. It is, yeah. it's very hipster in a yeah. way. I mean, can you? Yeah, it I is. Uh-huh. I can the cafe. I could see a modern mm-hmm. revival of the Pantan, the little marionettes, yeah. you know. But again, just sort of to show <laughs> that you're cool and in the know. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> so weird. It's so ridiculous. Strange. Yes. We're going to take a little break from our topic of the week for a quick announcement. Guess what, guys? It is podcast award season. <gasps> yes. Nominations are now open for the 8th annual podcast awards. The, at pot, the potties. The podcast. The 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 Take me to the potties. <laughs> <laughs> and this is over at podcastawards.com. And please nominate us for best education category. Yeah. We teach you things we sometimes. Things. Yeah. Sometimes accidentally yeah, educational. Sometimes important things. And sometimes those things are true. <laughs> <laughs> and if we really enrich your lives that much, maybe for the coveted uh, People's Choice Award too. So please nominate us for podcastawards.com if you enjoy the show and thanks you guys for supporting good job brain and we're going to jump back into talking about fads when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply traffic jams tailgating pile-ups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive that's right the biden administration's epa is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today don't let washington become your backseat driver protect the freedom of driving your way visit energycitizens.org paid for by the american petroleum institute have you guys heard of a movie named Buana Devil from 1952? That's my favorite movie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is, no. it is uh, by all accounts, uh, Buono? Of, Buana, Buana Devil. Um, by all accounts, it's one of the worst movies ever made, oh, okay. uh, and more than a little racist. But Perfect. would you care to guess what the significance of Buana Devil from 1952 in film history is? It was a fad. It was. It was the beginning of an incredibly hot, incredibly brief fad known as 3D. Oh. No! Buona Devil was the first feature-length film released in 3D. Okay. Yes. All right. 
It uh, was the 3D that we imagined. It had one red lens, one green lens, oh. and it wasn't really called 3D at the time. It was called natural vision. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. And natural vision was the invention of a man named Milton Gunsberg and came up with the idea of shooting the two exposures of the film, projecting them in different colors, and using the different colored lenses to, to create 3D. That's cool. Like so many other things we've talked about on the show, he pitched his idea to a lot of major studios and all the major studios passed on it. So he released uh, independently this technology and it was used to make Buona Devil. So now we'll back up here a second. Why did the major studios pass on 3D? So... Too expensive. Well, it was interesting. So this was like 1950, 1951. And at the end of the 40s, the film companies and the film studios were freaking out because film viewership was precipitously dropping. (laughs) 20 million fewer viewers over one year. Why? What were they doing? I'm sure you guys can probably guess why. What major invention in the late 1940s was starting to take over households? TV. TV. And obviously uh, taking viewers away from film studios, they thought. So they were looking for ways to bring people back and they were all in one way or another trying to come up with some gimmicks. new gimmicks that's yeah. right so Cinerama and these other really super widescreen techniques and they all sort of pegged their fortunes to some new technology or another and basically none of them wanted to take the gamble on 3D at that time Buona Devil went on for better or for worse to become quite a hit and spawned a, a number of other movies that came out in 1953 natural vision movies there were almost 70 natural vision movies in 19 1953 alone. Mm. You know, some of the more famous ones are like Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Um, And so it was pretty quick that the major studios were like, okay, this is a thing. We got to get on the ball now. Mm -hmm. So uh, House of Wax with Vincent Price is it. So that one is the first major studio 3D movie to come out was House of Wax. It was so hot that even Alfred Hitchcock decided to get in on it. So Dial M for Murder, he filmed it in 3D. But by the time the movie was set to release, the fad had already started to die just a year later. So most of the showings of Dial M for Murder were shown in 2D, Hmm. just regular 2D. But it generally seems to be that by 1954, the fad was Oh, my God. It's a year. It was a year of of intense, intense 3D. And again, this is the first wave of 3D, you know, and it would have successive waves. Mm -hmm. And obviously now we have the more advanced, uh, you know, digital means of 3D. But yeah, it was hot and brief (laughs) for that one year. And they might have made too many bad ones. I don't really like 3D now because it's like I don't really like sitting there with the glasses on, you know, with this sort of artificial. It doesn't thing feel like happening. natural vision to you. No, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like natural vision, <laughs> and, it, and it felt even worse with red and blue cardboard 3D yeah, glasses. Yeah. Right. You know, it's just right. like I hey, get these things off of me. It really was used for a lot of cheap effects. Like you would see these movies, and it was spears coming at you, and people throwing things out at the screen, and it wasn't really used in a very they uh, still, artistic. They still do that. Right. <laughs> I, I've got. Confused if you're talking about recent <laughs> movies or from the first. Since I grew up in Asia, I cannot not talk about what I think is probably the biggest fad factory, perhaps of all time, Sanrio. Mm-hmm. Yes, the the Japanese company whose cute characters have captured the hearts of millions <laughs> temporarily, um, temporarily in bursts. <laughs> in bursts. Yeah. What they do is they generate so many original characters that would wax and wane in popularity. So I kind of want to play a a really quick little game with you guys first. Okay. I want you guys to take turns naming Sanrio characters. Oh, wow. And we're going to go around, and when you can't or run out, you're out. Mm. Let's see who's going to be the winner. Chris is going to win. I have no idea. Let's do do Colin first. 
Hello Kitty. Karopi. Botsmaru. Miffy. Eh, you're wrong. Miffy is actually not a Sanrio character. Oh. <laughs> I was trying to pull out the obscure one early. Yeah. My sister's going to be so disappointed in me. Oh, she. Yeah, I, I'm out. Wow. Pochaco? Yes. Right. Very good. Chris is the winner mm. of so many. My dearie Lou. Yeah. There's Purin the dog, a Pandapple. Uh, Shinkansen. <laughs> we talked about Shinkansen in our oh, transportation right. yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. They had a little train character too. So of course, Hello Kitty uh, is probably the most well-known character. Mm-hmm. She was first introduced in Japan in 1974, according to the official Sanrio character profile. Hello Kitty has a full name. Do you know what her full name is? Hell Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello is the short for something. Yeah, yeah. Hell Lawrence Kitty. Kitty White. Ah. First really? name Kitty, last name White. I know the name of her boyfriend. Which is? Daniel. Incorrect. What is oh. his complete name? Oh, jeez. It is Dear Daniel. Hello, <laughs> Kitty. And Dear, Dear Daniel. Daniel. Dear Daniel Katzen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is he a cat, too? He's. He looks exactly like Hello Kitty without the bow. Do you guys know what Hello Kitty's nationality is? Japanese. What, what country is she from? Incorrect. Mm, I'm going to just take a stab. Is she French? No. <laughs> she is British. Ah. What? Yes, and this is according to Sanrio's official backstory. Uh, She is British, born into the White family in a London suburb. (laughs) And what's weird at the time um, in Japan, during the 70s, there was a big British mania fad sweeping over Japan. Mm. And so everything from the UK was kind of in fashion. Mm. And so even her name, Kitty, was kind of in is a reference to Alice's cat from Lewis oh. Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. I love that she's a British cat that's obsessed with Japanese things made by a Japanese company. <laughs> Who were obsessed yeah. with British fads at that time. <laughs> so the creation of Hello Kitty in part stemmed from a cultural fad. It's huh. like a fadception. Yeah. Sanrio started out as a silk company under another name back in the 60s and they kind of expanded their company by investing in rubber and making rubber accessories including rubber sandals and so they found out that their profits increased when they sold sandals with cute design just a simple oh. cute design on the rubber sandal they're like hey wait a minute <laughs> like this was their light bulb moment if we add cute characters and hire cartoonists to make us cute characters then we can sell more of these rubber sandals and what is so smart about Sanrio is they would introduce new characters and retire old ones and these characters would become fads themselves right. um, of course not all characters achieve the same amount of success mm-hmm. um, there's some that kind of went in and out there was my melody that was yeah. a rabbit that's her rabbit oh, yeah. friend right mm-hmm. right right those. they um, were friends <laughs> <laughs> have you seen my melody lately she's gone <laughs> Uh, Hello Kitty yeah. disappeared her. You make you make the queen angry. <laughs> yeah, my melody, uh, she don't come around no more. <laughs> oh, my melody, oh. You won't see her no more. <laughs> Did that thing for you. <laughs> my favorite Sanrio character by far is a dog called Pom Pom Purin, or the Purin dog. And Purin, it, in Japanese, I guess, sounds like pudding. pudding. Mm. And he is a golden retriever, and he's very fat. I think what he is, he's half dog and half flan. Mm. Like he's, Perfect. Oh, he's pudding dog. He's a okay. pudding. 
dog flan hybrid animal mm-hmm. and he would like sit in a cup and he has a little brown beret. i've seen the figures it's yeah, really yeah. weird yes it's, it's very really, high concept really the flan dog. The flan dog. <laughs> does he eat himself no yeah oh. he, he has a butthole too really yes. yeah he has a actual butthole you wonder where flan comes from <laughs> dana i think i need to explain some very basic facts about biology to you <laughs> Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Well, uh, I know what all of you have now been waiting to hear. We, as you may recall, uh, we had a music quiz stolen from us now three weeks ago? Yeah. Many weeks ago by international puzzle thief, non-infringing satirical puzzle thief, Carmen San Mateo. It has been a well-traveled quiz. Oh, man. That quiz has been all over the place. And you, Good Job Brain listeners, have helped us track down Carmen San Mateo. Last week, as you may recall, we were able to catch one of the members of her gang, Mama Castorium, and she did not, in fact, have the quiz anymore and handed it off to Carmen. And what she had uh, told us was that Carmen was to be found in a certain country. And the clues that we got were, what stars have guided hungry travelers for nearly a century? And you guys helped us out and figured out what we were looking for. Yeah, thanks. Yes, (laughs) excellent job out there. We had a few people write in with a correct answer, which of course was Carmen was in France, because what we're looking for were Michelin stars. Yay! Uh, the Michelin yes. guidebook, made by these same people who make Michelin tires, has been around for a very long time. It is a guide, basically for travelers, telling them uh, what the best restaurants are, uh, and of course they use a famous three-star rating system for the restaurants. Coveted. Yeah. Coveted. It is almost impossible to get a Michelin star, let alone yes. three. Just yes. a handful of restaurants. And of course, the country where this all got started was France. So again, using our Kickstarter backer money, sparing no expense whatsoever. We took a luxurious flight to France to track down Carmen San Mateo. That was Let's, a fun trip, guys. It was, it was pretty great. It was pretty great. We're really Thanks. making that money stretch. We really are. And, uh, you guys got able... to go to France? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's the fruit of our investigation, finally. So let's, uh, let's listen in to that recording. Oh, this croissant is so good. Ah, 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 it's you. You posturing pack of pretentious podcasters. How did you find me? I never should have trusted that additive-addicted castorium-chugging chanteuse. Here is your dumb quiz. I solved the whole thing already anyway. But know this. There is no jail that can hold Carmen San Mateo for long. Well, except if the, the jail had, had had frozen yogurt. I love frozen yogurt. Blue m M&M.
That was one weird lady. That's all I have to say. <laughs> she, yeah. Well, anyway, congratulations, guys. Whoa. We actually got the quiz back. Man. So we can finally have this music quiz that, that we've been traveling. waiting on. All that traveling, all those puzzles. Carmen San Mateo is in satirical jail <laughs> for now. I would like to finally present to you the music quiz! Yay! Hooray! And like all good music quizzes, there is, of course, a theme attached. So I'm going to play you a piece of music, and you are going to tell me the artist. Go. Buzzers ready. Buzzers at the ready. Sounds kind of like Karen. Uh, the artist is Rockapella. Yes, the artist yeah. is Rockapella. And that song was something about Indiana. Yes, mm. it was. So let's move on. I one and one is two. Ten two is four. I'm heavy loaded, baby. I'm booked. I gotta go. Find me. Is that Colin? Is it Robert Johnson? It is. Whoa. It is Robert yes. Johnson. And I believe he's singing Sweet Home Chicago. He is. Good job. Okay. Here hmm. is clip number three. <laughs> I wonder what the theme could be. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I didn't say it was a hard theme. <laughs> Uh, Dana. The Killers. Wrong. What? Anybody else want to go for Oh, it? Brandon Flowers. Yeah. Yes, it is the Brandon lead Flowers. Oh. Lead singer oh. of The Killers. Oh. But that was that was the big single off of his, his, solo. his solo album. Okay. Yes. Las Vegas. Trick question. Tricky. James Taylor. James yes. Taylor. Yes. I don't know if it's Chris's music quiz. <laughs> it's probably James, James Taylor. Taylor's <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, the song yeah. is Honey Don't Leave L.A. from uh-huh. his album JT. Right. Yes. Okay. JT. <laughs> yep. I'll guess. Yeah? Beach Boys? Yeah. No. Oh, you're actually making the same Brian mistake. Wilson. Yes! Oh! There you go! <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yes. Uh, in Blue Hawaii off of Brian Wilson's version of the album Smart. Oh, man. Yes.
Everybody all at once. Billy Joel? It is, yes. Yeah. It's the intro. Oh, I was going to guess Lady Gaga's version. I thought it was going to be Trump. <laughs> oh, she's gonna be playing playing the piano, New York State of Mind. That is just the intro to New York State of Mind. And of course, as good. Karen correctly surmised, the theme of this round is singers Chris really likes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, for one, am really glad we finally got to bring closure yeah. to this music quiz that yes. was begun over a month ago. Thanks to all of our listeners who wrote in. Man, we got a lot of answers. You guys helped us figure it out. We actually randomly selected Super Sluice, who wrote us in, and we're going to have a little prize pack to remember our adventure. Good job, guys. Good job, everybody. All right, great. That's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot about crazy fads and licking cream off of paper. And, uh, <laughs> and dogs shaped like flan. You can find us on Zoom Marketplace, on iTunes, and also on Stitcher and our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. And don't forget to visit our sponsors, bonobos.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Oh, Karen, Karen, Karen. We just caught Carmen San Mateo. That oh, means yeah. there's only one more thing we have to do, and you know what it is. Do it, Macapella! Yeah. Don't sue us. Please, please don't sue us. Please, please don't sue us. Please, please don't sue us. She's a satirical swindler, legally distinct from others. She's a fair use finagler who is plainly parody. She's discreetly designed so we don't get calls from lawyers. Tell me, who in the heck is Carmen San Mateo? Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.